Check this out, everybody. I am preaching to you from the church stage and auditorium. Oh, my goodness. I'm just so excited to be back in this room. Uh, we've been doing some work on the stage to try to get it ready and widen it out a little bit, make it a little safer in some spots. And, uh, man, it's just so good that I get to be back up here. Um, and I get to do it before Pastor Scott. So uh, <laughs> he is my boss, so I'm sorry. Um, we're going to jump into the scriptures today. I, I hope to be with you a brief amount of time, but man, I've got some things in my heart that I really want to talk about. You know, the only thing that will never change is God. God is the unchanging force, but pretty much everything else is eventually going to change, isn't it? Things, uh, things just change over time. In fact, if you want a guarantee in life, change is guaranteed. I uh, and my family, we love to go to Traverse City, Michigan. We try to get out there a couple times a year. I don't know what it is about that groovy little town, but man, we get out there and it's relaxing. I love going to the shops. I love looking at clothes. Uh, I hit a weight loss goal, so this was the first time that I was able to buy a tourist shirt. Pretty excited about that. Um, and we just love going out there. And then outside of Traverse City, there's uh, this little uh, touristy spot in a town called Leland called Fishtown. And we love going there. And there's a candy shop that I'm not sure if I'm allowed to tell you the name of it uh, because it's built right next to a dam. Uh, but we love going there. I, I would stay there for a month if I could. Um, when, uh, when we walked up to it this year, though, we were getting up close. And the way that Fishtown is kind of laid out is... Um, there's a dam and then um, there's kind of like a channel of water that runs through and a dock that we just, you know, it's just cool to just little thing, go and check it out. And this year, check out this video. The water was crazy high and it was moving so fast. It was kind of dangerous and it's next to all these shops. And uh, at first I was like, kids, come and look at the water. Oh no, kids, get away from the water, especially because one was holding mom's purse and that would have been a bad situation. It was just wild how we were looking at it. And like, there was this part of me that was like, oh my goodness, you know, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? And it was like, is something wrong? Is planet earth going down? You know, like I have like all of these crazy scenarios going through my head. And then I remembered a couple of years ago, like six years ago or so, back in 2013, Check this out. According to NOAA, the nation's climate monitoring service, 2012 was the warmest year on record. The Midwest was also in the grip of a severe drought. Those two factors led to the lowest water levels in history for Lake Michigan and Lake Huron, the two of which are act actually technically one body of water. Leland's Harbor is the heart of this northern Michigan town. The small town is quiet in the winter, but the population jumps tenfold in the summer when tourists flock to Leland's Harbor, beaches and quaint shops. That tourist economy is now in jeopardy because of the dramatic drop in Lake Michigan's water level. Harbor master Russell Zuba says the lake is down more than two feet from its average, and that drop is threatening to close the harbor. The low water also endangers Leland's historic fishing industry, a huge tourist draw. Now these fishing boats, which were bought and are now run by the local preservation society, sit perilously close to the bottom of the lake. If the tugs do hit bottom, they will be stuck until water levels rise. That would be devastating to Fishtown and Leland. The fact is, is that nothing stays the same. Things, things change, things change and, and, and situations change. And next week, 
we're going to be entering into another new season. Man, if we are sick of anything, y'all have got to be sick of change. I know I am. I am just donezo with it. Having to figure out if I hear one more news reporter talk about a new normal, I'm going to start throwing things at the screen like it's just driving me nuts. And when we come back together as a church, like in person, I think you're all going to have uh, like the same realization that all of us have been having together. Like, man, church really isn't about a building. I think we knew that. But we've been experiencing some kind of deeper way. But we did this thing when my wife turned 40 back in April. I'm sorry for outing your age, my love. But now I'll know if you watch the sermon or not. Uh, but people were driving by, kind of like honking and putting ribbons up in the air. People were, were so excited and sweet, like kind of yelling, happy birthday, Jenna. And uh, it, man, it was so cool. But it was also super emotional because, you know, I think about people, especially those I interact with on social media, but like seeing all of those faces all at once, man, it kind of brought tears to our eyes. And then I was thinking, holy smokes, like right now in this room, I'm preaching into an empty room and I'm praying for you. But right now I'm really hoping that the two ladders and the vacuums that we have in this room are going to get saved today. <laughs> it's, it's just weird. And when I see a few hundred of you and we're all singing the name of Jesus together. Man, I just, I can't see how that wouldn't be powerful. But the other thing that's going to happen is it's still going to be in a different cultural context right now because of everything that's going on with COVID. And uh, it's going to be different. It's, it's just, there are going to be different things about it. Here, here's one thing that I'll promise you right up front, um, that as we're leading worship that day, we're going to talk about a couple of things like, hey, here's how it's going to be different in the building for the next couple of weeks. Um, things are just going to be uh, adjusted a little bit here and there. You know, you guys got questions about masks and all that kind of jazz. We'll, we'll talk about that during the service too, as well as you should have gotten an email this week, you know, where Pastor Scott kind of lays it out. But then there's going to be a moment in the service where we stop and we will not talk about COVID-19 we will not talk about what's been going on lately. We are just going to talk about Jesus. We are going to have a moment where we lift up the name of God together, and that does not stop for the duration of our hour together. Um, and that, that's coming. But the fact is, is that, man, things are going to change. There's some stuff that we're going to be doing different around here. One is that we have these backpack units that have um, a disinfectant solution that we're going to be spraying over high touch surfaces in the building. We're going to test them out on our chairs and make sure, you know, that they dry well and that they do a good job and, you know, don't smell funky and all of that. And when we're doing that, some of our greeters are going to be wearing masks. And, uh, and uh, we have an air filtration system being installed around the building to do exactly how it's described to, you know, filter the air. And uh, there's going to be UV lights that are taking it all out. Man, we're just, we're doing the best that we can. And uh, we've got our act together here, but it's, it's going to be different because you'll see somebody with a mask on and you'll see others without masks on. And uh, have you noticed that things get a little tense when we start talking about these issues? <laughs> like, it's wild. And I love what I've seen demonstrated in this past week. I've seen some people have, like, like people I've been in person with, who have very different views about how the world should be operating right now. And they're still being kind to each other. But you know, Facebook still exists in the comment section, which I just kind of avidly avoid. You know, but one thing like that we're not going to be doing at first, at least when we come back, is we're asking when you see all those wonderful faces and those people that you've missed so much and that you love so much, 
that you don't hug them. Oh, I know, that just sounds terrible, and that you don't do handshakes, and, and here's why. For example, if you see my wife, my wife had lung cancer uh, five years ago, so she has 1.333333 lungs right now, and if you go up and you try to hug her, she's nice most of the time. <laughs> no, she's really nice, so she's not going to tell you, no, don't hug me, and like just slap you across the face. She won't do it. She'll hug you, but at the same time, she's a high-risk person, and it would like put her in a spot where she would have to say no. I've had to say no to hugging people or handshakes, and it's just, it's just weird. And you know what? Ultimately, what it is, it's distracting. I know that a love in most contexts is like the perfect thing to do. Sometimes you need a hug, but here we want to walk into a building, completely unified on the reason we're walking back into a building. And I'm a guy who's a huge advocate for mental health and we're not walking back in for mental health. I'm a person who's an advocate for a community and us getting into, into our lives together. I'm not, I'm not pro opening back open the doors while the country is still in crisis right now just because I think it'd be, you know, A-OK -okay good for us. I'm doing it because I believe in the power and importance of a unified people coming together in the name of God, in the name of Jesus Christ and lifting up his name together and that something powerful and supernatural happens when we do that. I believe that with my whole heart. And right now, in this new context, a hug is distracting because now I'm thinking about COVID and I'm not thinking about Jesus. Or I'm thinking about how too many people are thinking about COVID, but I'm still not thinking about Jesus. It's a distraction. That's why we're doing other things like we're asking you to wear a mask, but just from your car to your seat. And if you want to pop it off once you get to the seat, that's fine. And if you want to wear it the whole time, also, that is fine. I promise I am not going to factor in your response to things because I want to help be one of the people to lead you to the scriptures so that our hearts can be tuned to our Lord's and his love for people and his dedication to building his kingdom here. And we have to do it. Let me, let me put it this way. The waters in our life change, but our vision hasn't. Lake Point Church exists to help people take their next step with God. Uh, there was a group of people, um, and if you open up your Bibles with me, if you go to Joshua chapter 3, Joshua was the guy who took over for one of the greatest leaders who ever lived. His name was Moses. Moses had been through it. He had an incredible life, and he's the guy who's supposed to take over. And those people had been lost under Moses's, albeit wonderful, but under his leadership, they were lost in a desert for 40 years years. Joshua takes over, a new vision comes about, God opens up some opportunities, and they are heading to a place that they have been promised called the promised land, a place that they had the opportunity to get to before, but their fear kept them from embracing it. And this is one of the first things that happens is they go up to an area called the Jordan River. The Jordan River is moving at its highest point. And, and this, is, this is the part of what I want, I want to tell you about. The waters at the time are the highest they've ever been. In fact, it describes it this way. So that when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant, I'll explain what that is in a moment, went ahead of them. The priests went ahead of the people. Now the Jordan is still at a flood stage all during the harvest. Yet, as soon as the priests carried the ark, reached the Jordan, and their feet touched the water's edge, 
the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap in a great distance away at a town called Adam. And while the water was flowing down to the sea, the salt sea, it was completely cut off. So the people crossed over the opposite Jericho. Get this. The Ark of the Covenant was something that Moses felt compelled by God and was commanded by God to build. What it represented was it represented the very presence of the Lord. It represented his glory. Whenever the Ark of the Covenant was stored, it was actually stored in a place called the Holy of Holies that only a completely consecrated, that means uh, made holy priest could enter. His sins had to be atoned for. And if you entered into the Holy of Holies next to the Ark of the Covenant, and if you touched it, it was said that it would kill you instantly. So they even put like little bells on the priest so that if the bells dropped and there was silence, there was a rope connected to them and they would pull them out. This thing was dangerous. It was dangerous because God chose to place his presence near it, around it, even inside it. So the way that the priests would carry the Ark of the Covenant is they had these long poles that they would feed through and there would be poles on each side and the priests would carry it. There'd be two in the front and two in the back. And they would carry this heavy, solid gold thing all the way through. And it would represent God's glory, his promise, his protection, and his presence. Let me remind you, God's highest priority is God himself. And he sent Jesus here to make his kingdom reign. Okay? This is a context that we absolutely need to have together in order to get there. So... As they're carrying this thing that's supposed to be so powerful and represent God himself, four priests take this up and they walk up to rushing waters. I'm sure you've been by a river or something before. Maybe you've been by waves. Perhaps even you felt like a current before. I'll tell you that when we were in Fishtown, it really did feel scary after a little while because we were so close and it was so loud. And these guys walk up trying to hold to steady degree, a deadly thing like the Ark of the Covenant. I wonder how quickly, um, how quickly the water stopped. It said when they, uh, their feet touched the water's edge, their feet were wet. And they knew they were in a dangerous situation, either by way of the water or by way of the presence of the Lord in carrying that with complete, with a complete heart of just being willing to do it because they know that that's what God wanted them to do. Go to the promised land. You know, something amazing happens when you're on God's purpose. When the purpose of God is what leads us, that's when miracles happen. Before the nation was able to change in its location, in its attitude of a history of slavery, in a history of being a people without a home. The way back was not through Joshua's amazing leadership. It was when the priests carried up and put God first. And that's when the miracles happen. When the purpose of God leads, the miracles happen. When fear led these people, the nightmares came true. When fear leads, nightmares come true. And their nightmare was being lost in the desert for 40 years and seeing countless people passing away 
never seeing God's promise because they did not lead and let God lead his way because it was scary, because it was scary. What I have found is when people start peddling for me to make decisions based on fear, um, it turns something up in me. However, when I see others not respond to something because they'll call it fear and not wisdom, that stirs something up in me too. But even greater, when I choose to observe people not by what they are saying, but by the way that God sees them, something in me is set free. Love, when it leads the way, lowers myself and elevates another person, teaches me the power of when I lower myself and elevate my God. I do not worship people, but I do worship God who created all things. When Jesus was praying for us, and he did pray for us, and in fact, I think he saw all this coming. These, uh, the world is never running out with ways for us to be divided amongst each other. And uh, Jesus saw this coming. Um, I'm not saying that he see, like, there's going to be Democrats someday and Republicans, and they're going to have a Whig party, and that's just going to kind of go away. I, I'm not saying like that. What I'm saying is, is I think he saw that human beings are always going to find a way to disagree with things. You've met people. Um, some of you married some of those people, right? We've just found a way to, uh, to, to, to not get along in the past. And I love the way that Jesus prayed because when Jesus, when Jesus begins to pray this prayer, he knows he's about to die. He knows he's a few hours away from death. We know that he was a few days away from defeating death. It says this in verse 11. I will remain in the world no longer but they are still in the world. This is Jesus talking to his father. And I'm coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. If you skip down to verse 20, my prayer is not for them alone, them being the Jewish people of the area and those Gentiles that would eventually have the opportunity to surrender their lives. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Just as all of them may be one Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. Notice the way that Jesus says, I'm going to give them power in unity, as we are one, I in them and you in me, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and loved them even as you have loved me. I'm going to give them power and unify them so that the world knows. He knows. He knows what a game changer. And here's the thing. When we pray for requests, I just wonder how often are, you know, I've heard people pray for unity in their church, but can we pray a little bit bigger than that? Can we pray for unity in the church, Christianity as a whole, may Christians, may we be united under a single banner of Jesus. I, virtually none of us have prayed that way. Even though Christ modeled it, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. 
And he's talking to all of them in the first century. That meant the Jew, the Gentile, the rich, the poor, the slaves and freemen, military leaders and soldiers and tax gatherers and those who from those taxes were gathered and the educated and the uneducated, everybody in the 21st century, it means Republicans and Democrats, the privileged, the not so privileged, the independent, the indecisive, the libertarians, the librarians, the black and brown and white and beige, um, the married, single, in other words, all of us. That's all the people who called me Lord, no matter where they're from, no matter what they've experienced or how good life has treated them or how poorly life has treated them, connected, disconnected. I pray that all of them in the vast array, this extraordinary dispersion of people with different experiences, I pray that somehow all of them, this amazing, he prays that all of them may be one which sounds impossible, but Jesus was convinced, and we're about to see this because he says it, Jesus was convinced that as impossible as that it might sound, it was mission critical. That meant even though it seemed impossible, it was absolutely imperative. This was not an add-on. This wasn't a, wouldn't it be nice if everybody could just get along, which means that we should come to an int be intentional about ensuring that there is unity in the local church. Because that's what Jesus prayed for. And remember those priests crossing the river Jordan. The whole nation moved when the priests led. The whole nation moved when the priests led. And that's going to be really important in a moment. They moved because everybody was on one imperative direction. If we move forward but God is not first, then we fail. If we move forward and God is not first, we will fail. If we move forward and try to be comfortable only with what we're comfortable with, believe only what we choose to believe, but we do not say, but God, you are above it all, then we will fail. Whenever I'm counseling young people who are about to get married, I ask them, is this really the person that you want to spend the rest of their life with? And now what I'm thinking in my head is that you have no idea who you're marrying for the rest of your life. Because if I was to ask you, are you different now than you were 15 years ago? 10 years ago? Are you different? But now you're promising that you're going to be married to somebody for 30, 40, 60 years if you're so blessed? You're going to change and you're going to become a new person together. I would tell you this, that I probably look at the world differently and in a different perspective now than I did 15 years ago. So any opinion that I have now, I'm willing to say I might be wrong, except for one thing. God's highest priority is that he be our first priority because he is his own first priority. Can we come in? Can we come back into church together? with a unity that says, I will make much of my God. Will I show my kids? I know we don't wear a mask when we go here and there, but we're here to make much of God. So I'm gonna wear one now so that no one is distracted from that main point. Will I teach my kids? I know they weren't wearing a mask. I know somebody slipped in a hug out in the parking lot. You know who you are. But we are so glad that we're here because we get to show them who Jesus is and we love them. We love them 
Nothing else, nothing else will distract at that point. If the priests go out with great sermons, they're drowned by the Jordan River. But when they walk out and they say, God, your presence has to go first, they see a miracle. They see a miracle. When God is put first, miracles happen. When fear is put first, when judgment or anger is put first, and we all do it, I do it. I drive with other drivers. I'm constantly judging other drivers. When that leads the way, though, nightmares come true. The difference between a dream and a nightmare is the purpose and the beauty of it being outcome, right? And I'm telling you, if you want to see God's, Jesus's prayers come true, it is how we enter the building and then how we exit and we show the world. I believe it because it's in the scripture. Here is a prayer that I am begging for you to pray together with me. Heavenly Father, make us one so that we can influence many. Make us one so that we can influence many. Now, this isn't about church growth. This isn't about getting more people to start attending our church. This isn't about, this really is about the universal church is what I'm talking about. Like all Christians, hey, if they'll stand, if they'll stay one, this world is going to know what God is up to. I feel like Jesus is praying, if they can just be unified, Father, they're going to know you the way that I know you. Please unite them together. So we should pray. I want you to pray this. If you don't go to Lake Point, I want you to pray for your local church. Man, it's hard to figure out how to be a pastor right now and when to open the doors and when to close. Man, just, we're just doing the best we can, right? We're trying to figure out how do we lead well with everything that's going on, with racial tension that's happening in our country again. And we're trying to figure out, like, man, how do, we, how do we lead forward? How does Christ want us to lead forward? And it all starts with this prayer first. Christ, you go first. We'll follow. You show us the way, Lord. But it's hard. I hope we're gracious with each other. Because that certainly does reflect better. Heavenly Father, make us one so that we can influence many. This is the prayer of our Savior. This is the prayer of Jesus, who hours later died. And this is what he wanted protected more than the lives of his closest people. He wanted this. Heavenly Father, make us one so we can influence many. This too will be on your screen. We must not let anything divide us. And because now election cycle is coming in, in November, people are going to make choices. And I think we all should. I think you need to get out and vote. But I will also say this. We must not let anything divide us. We must not let anyone divide us. Please, my friends, I am begging you not to sacrifice the platform. You have a platform in somebody's life right now. The moment you meet a stranger, you have an opportunity to know that person, and to have an area of influence in their life. And if you or I talk about anything other than Jesus in that platform, and we're willing to just say, unfriend me, or walk away, or anything like that, I will tell you this, if it's not the gospel first, you will lose the opportunity to share what is ultimately life and death of the soul. When I get angry, I sometimes beg Christians, do you believe in a literal hell? Then make your only platform about 
plunging it and diffusing it and defeating it. If you have one life, may the issue that you raise at the top of your heart be that there is a God. His name is Jesus. He died for everyone and everything, and he's coming Heck, make it your number one message and priority because everything else, though good and good and important to talk about, can be divisive. If you have one name to utter, may it be the name of Jesus Christ who received his name by the Father and says, he that has seen me has seen the Father. My friends, make it all about Jesus Put him first. Anything else that we carry out may get you killed for things that are not worthy of your life or your death. But your life and death to be laid down is a worthy song to sing for our Jesus. Do not let anything as cheap as a response to a pandemic in our world that we none of us know how to fix ever distract from the opportunity to talk about how good our God is. And when they hate you for it, you turn the other cheek. And when they say, prove it to me, you go an extra mile. Whatever it takes, please, my friends, make the name of Jesus what you sing and what you preach. Make it everything, for he is certainly worthy of it. How desperately we must be unified so that the world can know. Heavenly Father, I pray for oneness so that we can influence many. I pray and I beg of you for oneness. What I find fascinating in my opportunities to have traveled the world in small little chunks, I, there's so much more of it that I want to see, but I've been to, uh, to Paris before, what an incredible city, and, it's, and I've been to Mexico before, and I've been to Canada, so, you know, well-traveled. But I love it when I go to these different places, and I see a cross. And though it might mean something different to everybody else in the room, to me it means one thing, remember Jesus now. And that it's been happening that way for thousands of years. I love the diversity of it. I know that there's a lot of folks who are mad that so many denominations exist. Don't be distracted. But be back to Jesus. Come back to him. Focus and say, Heavenly Father, make us one. How do I make us one? I say that grace and compassion, the fruits of the Spirit, will have a greater impact than any other opinion that we share. So that when the world sees us, they will know they will know that they are sent from God so that when they see unity in spite of diversity, when they say unity in spite of the diversity within the church or between churches, they may actually come to the conclusion that they, they may believe. That is, they might be convinced that you have sent me, Father. Jesus says, look, this isn't an add-on. This is mission critical. The way of the world is going to sit up and take notice of this beautiful, diverse thing we call the local church. And they will see it when the church works together and is unified, even though we disagree and agree to disagree, even though we've been raised in such different ways, even though we will never see the world the same way politically and other ways. And yet at the same time, there is this beautiful powerful, supernatural, unusual unity. And Jesus says, I'm telling you, this is the way forward. That is, 
This is what eventually will get the attention of the Roman Empire. And this will eventually get the attention of a pagan world. Because there's never been anything like it. May the country, may the world look to a single voice and a single name being uttered from our lips. Jesus. Name above all names. Savior. Hope of the world. I want to read this to you. This is from, um, this is from 2 Peter, or 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, verse, verses 9 through 12. Remember when I told you um, the priests were the ones responsible for walking forward? Remember that? But you, he's talking to us here, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. It's funny how he redefines nation, a people who belong to something, not, I'm going to just keep going, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your souls. Live such good lives among the pagans that they accuse you of doing wrong. They may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. That they may, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God. It all goes to him. I was uh, listening to an interview this week um, from uh, Dr. Martin Luther King's uh, daughter, and she was talking about, you know, anger and things that she had wrestled with over the years of losing her dad so tragically. And she said, but my mom taught me this. My mom taught me this, that the best sermons aren't the ones that are told. It's the ones that are observed. May your grace, patience, and locked vision into telling this world about Christ through your deeds and actions, may they be preached well, my friend. Certainly better from any sermon that will ever be preached from this pulpit. No matter how awesome Scott can be. Better than any sermon that could be told. It's more powerful. It's more powerful to see a sermon observed. Preach well. And happy 4th of July. I love you. Man, thank you, Pastor Tom, for that amazing message. And... And I hope that you've been blessed by the, the, the message this morning. And, uh, and if you'd like to make a decision or maybe there's something you want to share with us, maybe God is speaking to your heart in some way, um, we'd love to hear from you. And the best way to do that is to text us. Uh, you can text the word uh, next step to the, to the number on your screen and, 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 and it'll give you a link on our connection card or our next step decision card. And, and if there's any decision you want to make or, or share with us that we can pray with you, and uh, we'd love to do that with you. Also, 
um, it, this is an opportunity for you to give. And uh, again, you can go online, you can stop by the church and, and drop it off at, a, at an office during the week. Um, or, or you can go to the link uh, and, and touch, the, touch the word LP Give to the number on the screen. And it'll send you a link to our giving page and, and, and you can give online. And, and thank you for the way you've been giving and your generosity to keep our church moving during this pandemic season. Now next Sunday, can you believe it? Next Sunday, we're back in the building. We're back worshiping in Late Point Church. Two service time, 9.15, and 11 o'clock, and, and, and tomorrow, tomorrow there'll be a place uh, on our website, and you'll get an email from us about a link for you to reserve your worship time. And we want to encourage you to sign up for a worship time, so that way we can keep our space at 50% capacity in the first stage going back into the building. And, um, and you should have seen an email from me already about more information and the plan to get back into the building. And so we want you to make sure you're checking through that. And, and uh, if you didn't see it, it'll be on our Facebook page. And uh, we want you to know everything we're doing to get ready for you next Sunday morning. And it's gonna be awesome. Next Sunday morning, it's gonna be a celebration. And, um, and, and we can't wait to worship with you. Of course, we still, we still have the live services. And, and if you can't come, you don't, you're not ready to come back, that's okay. We'll still have live services at 9.15 and 11 o'clock. Well, I can't wait to see you next Sunday. If there's anything I can do for you, please let me know and so that we can pray for you or help you. And we can't wait to see you next week. God bless.